Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good morning. You are listening to Morning Moments with Maya, Conversations of Love and Laughter, the show where each week I take the casual phrase, hey, I'd love to talk to you more about this. We should go for coffee. Very literally. And I share an organic conversation over my cup of java with someone who is out there pushing the positive. This is your host, Maya Aziz, coming to you from Montreal. Dwight D. Eisenhower said, A sense of humor is part of the art of leadership, of getting along with people, and of getting things done. And from Abraham Lincoln's self-deprecating humor to Obama going for coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, it is clear that for the greatest leaders, their humor and humility leads us to believe their humanity. In fact, in a study by Bell Leadership Institute, they found that the two most desirable traits in leaders were a strong work ethic and a good sense of humor. But Lincoln and Obama, well, they're masters. It's not every leader or manager who has this ability. I mean, frankly, from experience, the mix of humor and leadership can just as easily go seriously wrong as hilariously well. So what is it that makes the difference? Well, I have a guest today who is going to help us understand and probably knowing him have us laughing while he does it. Paul Ozenkup, consultant, humorist, and educator. With a master's degree in higher education leadership and administration and a background in stand-up and improv comedy, His mission is to use his expertise in leadership and levity to create positive corporate climates and educational communities. But Paul doesn't take the difficult side of human relations lightly. In his previous roles as Associate Director of Conflict Resolution and Student Conduct at Colorado State University and Associate Dean of Students at the deliciously named Culinary Institute of America, Paul was responsible for addressing very unfunny subjects. Subjects like high-risk student behavioral issues, things like substance abuse, sexual assaults, domestic violence. In 2013, he was a consultant at the U.S. Department of Education's Center for Alcohol, Drug, and Violence Prevention Emerging Issues Forum, and has been featured in the Chronicle of Higher Education and the Little Book of Restorative Justice. Currently, Paul is a consultant trainer for Community Matters, a nonprofit organization dedicated to preventing school violence in over 2,000 schools across the country. Despite the serious nature of his work, Paul has been a jack-of-all jokes since grade school and is proud to share that he has even made his very own wife laugh. Whether it's his TEDx talk, a keynote speech, or a training, Paul delivers a rare blend of wise inspiration and spontaneous wit to both educate and motivate his audience. And how lucky am I to have Paul here with us this morning. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Maya. It's great to be here. I'm so happy you could join us. But, Paul, I want to start by asking, because you have such an interesting background. 
How is it that someone who consults on the most serious of subjects, I mean, we're talking about conflict resolution and violence prevention, how does that person develop such an interest in humor? I think that my, my interest in humor probably developed before my career. Uh, so I, maybe it's just because of, of uh, growing up. My mom actually tells me that when I was like three or four years old, I used to go around telling everyone the same joke over and over again. Like if I met, if I met a new person or like some of my mom's friends were over, they would meet me and I would go, hey, what's invisible and smells like carrots? And they would say, I don't know what. And I would go, bunny farts. And uh, I thought that was like a hilarious joke, you know, when I was like four years old. Now, some people, you know, some people might be listening and being like, that's not that funny. But lay off, man. I was four years old. Okay? That was like the extent of my, the extent of my humor uh, then. And, and I, I probably got a lot of mileage out of that joke. My, my guess is that that went on until I was, you know, 16. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I... So I, from a very young age, like I always liked to joke around. I, um, it, it was a tool that I think I started developing, and um, I, part of it might also be that I'm a short guy. I think, you know, as I as I started to get older and get into like my teenage years and try to meet girls and stuff like that, I think, you know, women are like looking for a guy that's like tall, dark, and handsome, and I'm like short, white, and, you know, like probably a six and seven on a good day, you know, so I think I had to have some other tools at my disposal to do so. It, so I started, um, you know, try, you know, I would try to be funny or I was really interested in humor. I started watching comedy and then I, eventually as I got into college, I actually did stand up for a while. Um, when I was living in Denver, I did stand up for quite a few years and was part of a improv comedy group as well. So I think the humor and the appreciation for humor came before my career. And and it sounds like even from a very young age, a very, very young age, I mean, whether you realized it or not, you sort of kind of saw the power that humor can have in human interactions, whether it was, you know, a little, little kid getting attention or um, a teenager trying to get the attention of, of girls. You, you saw that there was value for, of humor in interactions with other people. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that it was it was subconscious back then. You know, when I was a kid or, or a young adult, I think it was just something that it was just part of my personality and uh, used humor as often as I could. And in high school, I was known as the, the class clown funny guy and, and, and that kind of stuff. But um, I, it wasn't until I started maturing a little bit that I started realizing that power, like, hey, th- you know, this, this works in certain situations and um, it, it helps people listen to me a little bit or um, it, it, brings, it draws people to me. And that was something that I, I think I didn't realize back then. Um, it was just kind of how I acted, who I was. You sort of did it instinctually before actually understanding yeah. it. So now that, now probably, that you have matured, Paul. Too, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, I'm matured a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now that you have yeah, there's plenty, plenty of people, plenty of people in my life that would say matured. Well, when did this happen? Um, well, now that you have, and you sort of have more of an understanding of what you were instinctually um, doing and seeing, how is it then that humor impacts? I mean, how is how can not taking yourself so seriously or using humor impact someone's interactions with others? What is it that it does? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, um, you know, not not taking yourself too seriously, which is a difficult thing to do because I think we all get wrapped up in ourselves and our lives and our, our jobs. And so I, I think we all have times and moments where everything going on is so important and um, it's hard to take that step back. But I think when we're able to um, and, and don't take ourselves too seriously um, – for one, I think that it allows other people to see us in a different light, see just a, maybe a little bit of vulnerability or um, maybe see us as uh, not quite as uh, intimidating So, to you as a leader or a manager or you know, even a parent um, or, or teacher. 
Um, and uh, I also think it, it, it provides a, a good sense of humility for us because, you know, when you, you said the word credibility, and I think that that's a question I, I get a lot about um, people worried that, well, I, you know, I don't want to ruin my credibility. But I actually think that sometimes when we're taking ourselves the most seriously is when we look the most foolish. Uh, and and it, we, we probably have all experienced that, where there's somebody, whether it's a boss or some sort of leader, who just takes themselves so seriously, and it's almost to the point that, it, that it's comical. And um, if, if you're ever around kids, it, that's like a perfect barometer, because kids just always sniff that stuff out, like, immediately. I, <laughs> I was, um, before I was, was married or even dating anyone, I, I was um, on my way, I was taking my little niece, who was, like, five at the time, to... Uh, uh, a tuxedo shop. I was getting fitted to be in a friend's wedding. And uh, on the way there, she's asking me, well, when are you going to get married, Uncle Paul? And I was like, oh, don't worry about that. No. And then we get to the tuxedo shop, and lo and behold, the woman who's going to be taking my measurements is about my age, beautiful. And so I start talking about myself, of course, and I'm saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm finishing up my master's degree right now. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much in charge of half of a campus and uh, all this. And I'm like, got my arms outstretched, and she's like measuring my neck. And out of nowhere, my niece just looks up and says, Hey, Uncle Paul, do you remember when we were in the car and you farted? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, looked at the kid. I don't even know what she was talking about. I just looked down at her and I looked at the woman and I was like, I don't even know what, what are you talking about? It's like, uh, who brought this kid? Right? Like, what? I mean, it was like, the comic timing of this child, you know, and but but I think that there's like a natural sense where she she kind of knew I was taking myself maybe a little too seriously. She's like, "Hey, Casanova, just chill, dude." Can you know, I blushed and and kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't really really know where, what she's talking about." Um, and so you know, I can provide that for for a leader a, a little bit of uh, sense of humor and not taking ourselves too seriously. You never know. I mean, here it is. It's like, gosh. 15 years later, and me and that young woman at the tuxedo shop never saw each other again. But I'm sure you were hoping for, like, a happy ending, but, it, you know, it just we never saw each other. But that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> just the way life works sometimes. But it was actually a really memorable moment for me because I was like, oh, my gosh, I was being <laughs> such, you know, just – so high on myself, um, and it happens. It happens in the workplace as well. I think when we when we take ourselves a, a little bit uh, too seriously. And you mentioned in your opener, um, you know, that's like an example from my personal life. But you mentioned in your opener, um, like President Obama and President Lincoln. And uh, when I talk, I, I, I give some examples of a, of, of a lot of different leaders throughout history, um, and. You're right to bring up both of those presidents because a lot of presidents and presidential candidates have chosen to go the humorous route in order to show people the human side to them, and it and it really increases their their polling points um, and uh, and makes them more likable. And there's actually a story about Richard Nixon, who he went on uh, Laugh-In, which was like a variety show, and he, he was losing really bad in the, in the election, um, or, or at least in the polls, and shortly before the election, he went on Laugh-In, and there's an a opening to Laugh-In that they used to have, a, and a woman would come on and say, sock it to me, and Nixon, who was like known to have like a really just kind of lousy personality, like kind of prickly, um, went on there and kind of made fun of himself and, and did like, sock it to me? And just did it really poorly, and, and people like, kind of laughed at him. And his numbers rose at the end there. And, and to this day, the, the guy who was the producer of Laugh-In said, I kind of take the blame for getting Nixon elected because I think it was his appearance on our show that rose his, his uh, numbers up there because people saw this guy who was always really serious, maybe a little bit prickly, and they were like, you know, that guy kind of has a sense of humor about himself, and it worked for him. I, that's a great. I didn't know that story. Now, now I'm going to want to do some research and see if I can find that clip of Nixon. Uh, that's a great oh, yeah. story. It's YouTube, it's YouTube Nixon laughing, and it's it's there. 
I'm going to be doing it for sure, for sure. You said so many interesting things, Paul, and I think your your example, uh, you know, in the the tuxedo shop is a great one. And you're right that kids kids are a really good barometer of when we're trying to be too serious. And isn't it interesting how often when kids are play acting or they're doing imaginary play and they're pretending to be adults, over serious, full of themselves kinds of characters uh, when they're pretending to be adults. Um, and my question to you okay. is, I think it, I think you're absolutely right that we often, and I'm glad it's not just me, but we often take ourselves too seriously. And as we become adults, we get very, very serious about everything from ourselves and our lives and our jobs and all the rest of it. Why is that? What do you think that's all about in terms of us trying to present this? And especially, I'm going to say, people in leadership roles, it's like this... Um, they're, they're pulled towards the serious persona sometimes. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not positive about that, but I think part of it is once you get into a leadership role, I, I, I think we feel like we have to have all the answers um, mm. and that mm. all of a sudden we have to kind of be someone we're not. Like, I, I need to be infallible. I need to be always the person with the answers or, or uh, with the knowledge. Or, and that's just not the case. I think with having a sense of humor about yourself, it also is just the humility of, hey, I don't know everything, and I'm not going to. And I'm not going to be the person with all the answers, uh, and, and I'm not going to. And that's a, that's a, difficult, a difficult thing to do as a leader. But when you think about typically what happens when people are promoted into management and leadership positions, um, it's because of the work that they did in whatever expertise, whatever other job they had, that, hey, you're so good at this, we're going to promote you to management or leadership. And now it's, yeah, you've still got some of that other work that you're required to do, but most of your work is a completely different job, which is managing people. Mm-hmm. And so, great, well, what training do I get for that just because I'm a great accountant doesn't mean I, I can manage these other 10 accountants all of a sudden. Um, so so I, you know, I, I, then, then we get into that position, and I think we overcompensate, kind of like the kids overact, you know, that we, we overcompensate and go, okay, I'm in this position, maybe I'm a new leader, new manager, I got to know my stuff. And I also got to set a tone and make sure that people know I'm, I'm no nonsense and people need to be on time and you know, and it is. It's kind of like that caricature that the kids, <laughs> the kids point mm-hmm. out. It's true. And yet it's interesting, you know, you spoke about when leaders do have, and I'm going to say almost the courage to use humor mm-hmm. um, and take themselves less seriously. They, they're showing a certain vulnerability that their followers respond to. I mean, it works because people want to see that. They want to see that the leader is a, a real person, and yet it's, it's interestingly sort of ironic that many leaders have a hard time re- almost relaxing enough to do that. But I guess mm-hmm. when they do, it must feel kind of freeing because how nice to have the pressure off and realize, okay, maybe I don't have to be perfect and I don't have to know everything. It, yeah, exactly, exactly. And yet, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit because, um, you know, you spoke about some political candidates using humor to, you know, try to appeal to the, the masses. It's a bit of a fine line, right? I mean, sometimes it can backfire. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think any of us who have tried to be funny or make a joke or have a sense of humor, we've probably all um, said something at some point in time that we realized later, gosh, that either didn't come out right or it, um, it something that was offensive that you, you didn't even know was offensive. So there's always that risk. There's that risk with opening your mouth to say anything. There, <laughs> there is that risk. I mean, people, people offend people all the time not trying to be funny. Um, I do think that it's, it, what's weird to me about humor is that when you bring up humor, many people want to, want to bring up that side of, 
well, boy, that's a slippery slope. That's a dangerous thing. And I don't know what is uh, any more dangerous about humor than anything else. I think that – and people go, well, it's a real gray area with certain topics. And I, I kind of call BS on that. I, I think that you know when you are uh, saying something to demean another person. You know when you're saying something that's being divisive or um, – uh, is is bringing people down compared to when you are using humor to bring people up or to be positive. Um, and I think good at cheap laughs at other people's expense. That's a that's a a, a pretty like low level and easy form of humor to fall into that doesn't get you very far. And I think that people sniff that out really quickly. But it's not something that many people accidentally do. It, it's it's mm-hmm. that's something that you know when you're doing it, and um, you know even for myself when I first started doing stand-up comedy and I was a young man, um, you know, 20 years old probably, um, and so some of those jokes were really easy to come by, and I realized after a short time that that's not going to get me very far. I mean, in stand-up comedy or in life, like there's a, a certain audience for that kind of stuff. And then there, there's the rest of the world. <laughs> so um, that, that's kind of that, my take on it. And when I talk with Sizz uh, uh, and leaders um, and they ask about, well, gosh, it's a slippery slope, I just ask them, well, how do you know whether or not you're offending people or ostracizing people or alienating people when you just speak to them in general throughout the day? Um, because it's the same barometer. <laughs> If there are certain topics that you think, hey, it's better not to talk about this at work, then you probably shouldn't joke about that at work. You're so right. I mean, when you say it that way, it's so clear. You're absolutely right that you're not going to accidentally be demeaning when you use humor um, any more than you're accidentally demeaning in other ways. And if you are, when you use humor, chances are that's a sign that that's someone who is like that, even when they're not trying to be funny. Um, right, what, a, right. what a great and I, point. And I will Thank say, you. And, and, oh, no problem. And I will say, too, that there, there are times where somebody, you, you might say something, maybe a, repeat a joke you heard, and, and, you're, and you're just completely ignorant to the fact that maybe the punchline is, some sort of term you've never heard before that you had no idea could be offensive or, you know, whatever. You, or something just kind of comes out of your mouth that, that someone and you just literally had no idea. And in that sense, then the best thing you could ever do is show a little humility and immediately apologize. I mean, it, just like if you were to say something that wasn't supposed to be funny and you inadvertently offended somebody, let them know that, hey, I, I had no idea that that was offensive and I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And I've learned from this. I, you know, a sincere apology uh, goes a long way. Mm, oh, it really does. <laughs> True. Okay, so let's say you've convinced me, let's say you've convinced l- listeners uh, that using humor as a leader or manager uh, can be really beneficial. But we're not all, I mean, you had a great sense of humor from the age of three. We're not all like that. Not everyone has the same, I think, facility with using humor uh, as everyone else. So what if, what if you're just not a very funny person? Like, where does somebody start if they think, okay, this is true. I'd like to add a little bit of humor to my work or my workplace. Can they learn to do it? Or is it something that you either have or you don't? Oh, I, I think that it, you can definitely learn to do it. I, I will say this. If if you're sitting there listening to this right now and thinking to yourself, you know, I'm just, this is great and everything, but I'm just not all that funny, then you're probably right. You might not be that funny, and that's okay. <laughs> you, you, are, you are self-aware, which is way more important than being funny. Um, some people just naturally really are just really funny people, and other people have to work at it. Everybody has a sense of humor. If you've ever laughed before mm-hmm. uh, at, at something, at something someone said, or then you've got a sense of humor. Um, but it can be difficult to go now. Now, how do I make my workplace more fun or, or incorporate humor into work? Uh, and so there, there are a couple tools. One is so I, I put together kind of this this model. 
uh, and it's an acronym called LASTER. Uh, and but what I what I do with laughter is I take the UG. There, there's, the, there's literally the word UG in the middle of, of laughter. U G H. What is a U G H doing in the middle of the word laughter? So I just get and, and I I just say you know what F that I'm gonna put an F in its place. So I say L A S T E R, um, and the laughter is um, stands for the L is lead by example. The A is ask for help. The F is think fun over funny. The T is for tell your story. And the R is for rituals. And the, the lead by example is, is super easy. It, it really is just um, kind of what you said about courage, that if this is important to you to bring humor to work or have a sense of humor, to have the courage to do some of the things that might be hard for you at times, like those silly like icebreakers and team builders that maybe if you usually kind of sit in the background or go, oh, I'm not going to do that, participate in those. Show mm -hmm. people that like, oh, I, I can do this. I don't, I don't need to take myself that seriously all the time. Um, so buy in. Just show people by your actions that you're buying into this idea of humor. Um, the A, the ask for help. This, this is a brilliant um, thing that one, of, that one of my colleagues did. Um, he was a very serious um, very well-respected um, leader, and he people were kind of afraid of him, but just really uh, respected him a lot. And, uh, he was uh, the dean of students at the uh, Culinary Institute where I work, and you know, in the culinary world, it's like yes, chef, no chef. Chef is always right, even when they're wrong. Um, and behind closed doors, I, I had a really great relationship with him, and I would walk into his office and be like, hey, what's up? It's the dean of cuisine. How are we doing? And, uh, he, you know, he kind of laughed and said, you know, you always joke around with me, but nobody else does. I don't know why that is. And I said, well, because everybody's afraid of you, man. Um, and he said, I don't know why. Like, I'm easygoing. I've got a good sense of humor. And I told him, well, you need to show that off. And what he did was he said, well, I'm not great at that. So I'm wondering if, you know, the way you are with me behind closed doors, like you, you kind of joke around with me or even poke fun at me, can you do that like in public, like in a meeting sometime so that I can just laugh it off and people will see that like I'm not that intimidating or whatever? That was the most brilliant request mm -hmm. uh, because it, it was saying, hey, I, this is important to me, but I'm not great at it. And you know, la later on, we were in a meeting uh, with a bunch of folks and uh, he, <laughs> he uh, said something, he was talking about excellence and you know, our, our surroundings, let's make our building look excellent and, you know, pushing in chairs. And even if you're in the restroom and there's water splashes all over the counter and the mirror, and he said, I'll be in there and, you know, there's water splashes on the mirror. I'll, I'll scrub those mirrors and, and, and just keep scrubbing until they look good. And I said, well, Dean, it doesn't matter how hard you scrub. It's going to be that same face staring back at you, you know. <laughs> and uh, it was, everybody was just, you know, silent, like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. Uh, and he looked over at me and, and laughed. He was oh, good one, Paul. That's awesome. Oh, and everybody, everyone just kind of took a big sigh of relief, like, oh, and then everybody else laughed. And it really just, that kind of stuff cuts the tension. Um, and I had his permission to do it. In fact, he asked me to, to, to do that. Um, and and I, I think in those moments, people are like, oh, we can, sometimes we can just kind of like chill and be ourselves and have a good time. And, you know, it made him seem a little bit more approachable. Um, and so, that, so that's the A. That's you know, ask for help, um, and then fun over funny. I think sometimes humor people try too hard to be funny. I know, like when I'm trying too hard to be funny, that's when I'm probably the least funny. Um, and my wife will tell you, like it, I run jokes by her a lot. And she's like, Nah, I don't know. <laughs> so she's like, Yeah, it's not your best. <laughs> uh, but but I think sometimes when we when we worry too much about funny. Uh, is when we get into trouble. But uh, if you get if you just focus on getting groups of people together having fun, playing games, uh, not just like uh, after hours go go to happy hour because usually you get the same clicks you would normally get at work. Um, but doing th doing things uh, in the workplace that that will get them talking and and you know game type of stuff. So whether it could be uh, a pool tournament or uh, even even prizes for like Oscar awards um, uh, sheets or whatever it is that gets people kind of talking and playing with each other. 
when groups of people are together having fun, funny things tend to happen and people start to laugh. We're, we're 30 times more likely to laugh in groups than by ourselves. And so all of a sudden your funny people in your, in your workplace will start saying and doing funny things and the other people will start laughing and you can just sit back and go, oh, good, this worked. Um, and so then uh, the T, tell your story, is really like if, if this is important to you but you're not great at it, let people know. This doesn't have to be a covert op, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to add more humor to work, but I don't want to let anyone know. I just want them to wake up tomorrow, and now all of a sudden it's a funny place to work. Um, you know, in the next meeting you have, say, hey, you know, I've listened to this awesome radio show, and I got inspired, and I want to make this place, you know, more fun. Um, tell people that it's, a, that it's a goal of yours, and, and also, you know, put that in, like, corporate value statements, you know, if you value diversity, uh, you value um, customer service, do you also value fun or a sense of humor? Um, Facebook posts and Twitter feeds, you know, is, is everything you're putting out always serious? Can you use Huber to make any of the points um, and, and ask folks in your organization for help doing that? And then who are you hiring? Like are you putting in, um, in your job postings that you're looking for people with a sense of humor? Because you're going to get the people, you know, people might see that and go, this, this sounds like a great place to work. Um, so tell your story. Um, earn it. Uh, the E goes back to one of the very first things you said today, the Leadership Institute, and the two traits that, that uh, people find um, that they look for in a leader more than any other two traits is work ethic and sense of humor. And I think you can't just have one or the other. Uh, you, you really do need to have both. And you can't just be the goofy guy at the office. It's like, well, okay, well, I've got a kazoo on my desk and, you know, <laughs> I've got a ping pong table in the office, but then you don't get any work done ever and no one can rely on you. Like, you have to be good at what you do. You have to work hard. And so you kind of have to earn the right to have a little fun and to be funny. And, and when you do that, your, your sense of humor and you being funny will come as like a nice break for people rather than an annoyance. Um, and then finally, the R for rituals is you know, don't just uh, don't just uh, to a, a, a retreat and go, oh, cool, now we had we had fun, so we're good. Or you know, bring um, you know, bring cotton candy to work and and something like that and go, oh, well, today was our fun day and, you know, check that off the list. Um, rituals uh, are really important. And rituals are really what defines the culture of a, of a workplace. And so um, annual rituals, a lot of companies are, are pretty good at this, you know, a holiday party, maybe a summer barbecue, things like that. Um, so annual rituals are, are, are really good. I think one thing that gets people together having a lot of fun actually are service projects. Um, you know, go and build and someone Habitat for Humanity or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so annual rituals are good. And then you can do monthly, weekly, and daily rituals. Uh, so maybe monthly your team plays in some sort of a kickball league and people can go play on the team or cheer or whatever. Um, weekly can be like uh, days of the week <laughs> type thing. So um, uh, wacky sock Wednesday, like everybody's wearing. You know your tour is changing at your workplace when people start greeting each other by pulling their socks up, pulling their pant legs up, <laughs> and looking at what socks they have before they even say any words to each other. They just look at each other and go, what you got? You know, and they pull their pants up. They're like, I got, I got Sharknado socks today, you know, and it's like that's, that's when you know that things are really starting to change. Um, and then daily rituals, things. Um, th there's a company that uh, – has a 3 p.m. song ritual that at 3 o'clock in the middle of the afternoon when everything's just dragging, a new employee gets to change uh, or gets to choose a song, and they take a break that's as long as one song, you know, two, three minutes, and the song just has to be, you know, uh, an upbeat song, and everybody takes a break and either dances or stretches or walks around or whatever until that song's over and then gets back down. So building those rituals in around humor and fun is what's really going to change the culture altogether. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but I had to get the whole acronym. It was a fantastic answer. Out.
<laughs> I love, love, love that acronym, and I'm going to listen to this playback just to really integrate it because you've given so many great, really concrete, easy things that people can do. And, um, you know, as you were talking, I was sort of taking mental note of a few things. And, of course, my, I mean, my first question is where do you get Sharknado socks? But we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, and. I particularly liked, you know, when you talk about fun over funny, it made me think of situations I've been in, you know, more than once where a leader seemed to be trying so hard to be funny as if it was much more about either sort of maintaining control of the energy of the group or of having attention. And I like how you say it's about having fun together that has an effect that changes sort of the culture, the energy of the group. And those two things are quite different. Uh, so, so I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah, I, they really are, and, and it's important. But I would also say this, though, that don't – you know, I kind of joked earlier about, hey, if you think you're not funny, you're probably not. But I think it is something to like, don't be afraid to try things. Um, and it's okay to try to do funny things from time to time and stretch yourself a little bit because if, as long as you're not, um, doing it at other people's expense, uh, little things go a long way. And I think trying to make the workplace more fun is a show. It's a, it's a sign that you care about the people you, you care about their day enough to go out of your way to try to make it a little more fun. And so it shows the people, you know, and we all want to teach the people that we supervise things and tell them what we know, but the fact is that they don't, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm trying to really make this a great place to work. Um, I did something that I know people didn't think was funny. I had this, uh, I, I had this um, awful pun raccoon that I, I, I just cut this raccoon out of, you know, I printed it out and put it on the outside of my, um, outside of my office door. And each week I changed the stupid pun that was on there. Um, and, and so it would say, awful pun raccoon says, and it would have some horrible pun on there. And they weren't very funny. It was like dad jokes, right? Uh, but I think acts like that, even if it's not that funny, it shows people that like, hey, I'm trying. I, you know, I'm trying to make work good for you. And, and I will say even something like that, um, I had there was a, another manager who never spoke to me. He was a very quiet guy. Uh, he never really spoke to me. I didn't know. I was like, does he not like me or what? We just didn't have much of a relationship. He stopped by and kind of chuckled at one and then told me, well, here's another pun you should, you should use for next week. And I said, great, I'm, I'm going to use that next week. So I used his pun the next week. And from then on, <laughs> every week he would stop by my office to see what the new pun was. So we at least had that. We had that like little common thing, even though it wasn't much. It connected you, whether it was funny or not. It connected you. That's interesting. Right, right, yeah. And you're right that it shows that you care, making that kind of effort. And you're right, you know, people should not be scared to, to try humor because um, it really does show. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't bother, right? If you didn't care, you wouldn't even bother. But are there times when a leader or a boss or a manager shouldn't try to use humor? I mean, are there moments or maybe certain workplaces where you, it's just not appropriate? Um, I, there are definitely moments, I think, when, it, when it's – I think uh, uh, workplaces or types of careers, I honestly can't think of one. I, I, I think that in most – you know, you read my bio at the beginning, and, and I worked in really – dealt with very serious issues working with college students, and uh, – I think the more serious type of job you have, the, the more important humor is just to battle compassion fatigue. I mean, I, I'm working with victims of assaults and kids who have kind of begun ruining their lives with drugs and alcohol, and, and we've got to maintain some perspective. We've, we've got, you know, I've, I've got to um, take a step back and laugh a little bit during the day. Um, I'm actually going to speak at a, a 
conference um, February uh, for a cancer institute um, about compassion fatigue and the role humor can play in that. And, and uh, they're seeking that out. So it's obviously uh, a need uh, a need there. Um, I think there are moments. I mean, you don't call someone into your office and, you know, you've got to, like, let someone go and say, well, the bad news is you're fired, but the good news is you get a free box. Um, you know, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> pack yourself up. All right. You know, there, there's definitely moments where you don't, where you, where you don't use humor, but there's been really surprising moments in my career where humor has come out, not even necessarily by me. Um, and, uh, I actually was, was talking with, a, a, a sexual assault survivor and, uh, she was telling her story. And she said something that like made her made herself laugh, um, and uh, she was talking about someone reaching for her, and she said, I, "I can't really explain. It's like, it's like I don't know. Like he was like, reaching for a doorknob in the dark." And then, and I said, "Okay." And she just started laughing. I mean, she was just she was like, "I've never said it that way before, but that's what it was like." And she just started laughing and laughing. She was kind of like crying and kind of laughing. But, man, it was really obvious to me that she hadn't laughed in days. Mm-hmm. And um, she even said, she's like, oh, it feels so good to laugh. Um, and she, she kind of made herself laugh. So there have been times where it's been surprising to me um, where laughter has come from and the effect that, it, that it's had on people. Um, and, and even speaking of cancer, there's a, um, a woman named Christine Kirk that wrote a, a children's book called not now I'm having a no hair day about her battle with um, breast cancer and it and it was a children's book about understanding cancer and chemotherapy process and she was she was pretty depressed after her diagnosis until doorbell rang and there was someone there delivering flowers and her once again kids you know her kid uh, answers the door and says mom it's more flowers for your breast and she started. She just started laughing, like it's like the first thing that made her laugh since her diagnosis. And she just started laughing, and 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 kind of realized like I can still laugh. Like things are still mm-hmm. funny. That's good. Um, and that's kind of what started getting her motor going again. Um, so I, I think laughter is a very powerful thing. And uh, there are su- a, a lot of surprising instances where. Um, humor can be used. And what great examples. And yes, uh, it is so powerful and can be such a release. Uh, and it's interesting that you gave those those examples because I've had many guests and other people sort of say that laughing or when they were able to laugh after a difficult situation, it was the moment that they realized that despite everything, somewhere at the core of uh-huh. themselves they were okay or they would be okay and it was like a really important sign about them sort of still being human so so yes you're right that there are surprise surprising moments where where laughter is uh happens and happens appropriately as long as the timing and the person and the way uh is done correctly i'm going to sort of shift gears because i I, i've been wanting to ask you something paul you know we're talking about leadership and uh leaders and bosses using humor and i and i do sort of feel the dynamic or the culture of the workplace across fields is changing particularly as we have this entire millennial workforce coming into play and they are different in in their expectations in their relationships how do you see that impacting how leaders have to be in order to sort of meet the needs or expectations of millennials in the workplace yeah yeah well uh, I'm kind of going back and forth on this because you know I've been reading and and kind of forming my own opinion about this stuff as well because I think millennials in general it's like it's like <laughs> such a niche thing that it's like we're talking about zoo animals like look at the millennial as it walks across the workplace floor and stares at his iPhone. I mean it's it's like. Well, <laughs> You know, so I'm, I just feel weird, like even you know, like oh yeah, these these millennials. 
Um, and, and the more things that I read about millennials like this and they don't like that, and I start thinking to myself, well, you know, I think I'm like Generation X maybe, Y, I don't know. Uh, but, but I think, well, I like all those things. Uh, the, those, those things mm. seem normal to me too. Um, so I, I don't know how, how much credibility there is. I did read um, something the other day that 60% of millennials are leaving their jobs within the first three years because they they don't feel like it's a great culture fit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a lot there, there's a lot of, of information about millennials and workplace culture and what millennials are looking for in that. Um, but I would argue that it, it's probably similar things to what any other generation wants. Um, it's just that I think millennials have been more exposed to it, and so they know. Uh, they know that there are workplaces out there where people are having fun, and that and that you know leaders and managers aren't taking themselves as seriously, and that there are flexible work schedules. And you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that for one, you know, without the internet, it was I don't know. I just got a new job at this place, and I hope it's good, but I don't know much about it because all I know are the commercials that are on TV. Um, but now there's so much more information out there to be able to look and go, well, what's the culture of this place like? What are the reviews from employees? Um, and so millennials can be a little bit more demanding. Like, well, I could choose to work for a place that is really always buttoned down and it's people are working way too long at hours, there's not great benefits, and nobody's having any fun. Or I could go work at a different place where people really enjoy it and people are having a great time and so they get to choose their culture a little bit more. Um, I don't know that it's like they're wired different than than we are, if that makes any sense. It, it does. You made two great, great points. First of all, that they are the same species as us. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. laughing. I'm like, millennials. <laughs> I'm laughing especially because I actually have a number of kids who are millennials. <laughs> and sometimes oh, I, I'm not yeah. sure if perhaps I am in a zoo, but that's a whole other show. Well, I could, um, I could see that. But, you know, it's funny, though. But, like I, I uh, was talking uh, with some folks not too long ago, and we were talking about, you know, this digital age and these kids with their cell phones, but then door typing on my cell phone, and I literally ran into the back of a woman in line because I was, like, so transfixed on the screen of my cell phone. So I was like, yeah, these darn millennials. <laughs> 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 yeah, me too. Guilty, guilty as charged. But you made good, two good points about them. One is that they know that there are different kinds of cultures that are out there. Their their awareness, I think, of that um, is mm-hmm. bigger. And they're willing to, to take a leap. So if they're not happy, they're much uh, more willing to sort of leave a job and make a change than perhaps generations before where, uh, you know, people would stay in the same company for 30, 40, 50 years. And that was that. So perhaps those are the elements. You're right. They're not different in terms of what they would like or what they would need, um, right. but they might be play it out differently. So that's a that's a great point. Paul, I'm so sad to say that we're starting to slowly run out of time, um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, you've done so many interesting things, and um, I'm very interested in this talk that you're going to be giving soon about uh, humor and compassion fatigue, but I'm wondering what other projects might be uh, on the horizon for you? Well, yeah, this this fall I'm doing a lot of the uh, school violence prevention work that is all be going around the various schools across the country um, with a nonprofit that uh, I'm a consultant for called Community Matters. And uh, so, I, so I go and work with school-age kids as well as principals and teachers um, regarding what they can do um, regarding the climates of their schools and keeping keeping kids safe from school violence. So that's on the educational side of, of stuff. And then, um, yeah, I've got a, a few talks that I'm doing. I'm heading out to Seattle to see um, uh, veterinary centers of America uh, leaders and management uh, regarding humor and what they can do to create cultures of fun at their places as well. So got a lot of irons in the fire. That's super. And if someone wanted to know more about your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, uh, my website is just my name, Paul Ozenkup, uh, spelled O-S-I-N-C-U-P, paulozenkup.com. Um, and you can also check out my um, TED Talk on leading with laughter. 
Uh, and so if you're on YouTube, just uh, put in YouTube leading with laughter, and, and that'll come up, and that'll uh, give you some uh, a good example of my work. Great, and I'm going to make sure that I include your website in the notes for this show. Paul, I want to thank you again uh, for coming on the show and talking about a subject that impacts both leaders and people who have leaders, which I think probably sums just about everybody up. <laughs> so uh, some great ideas, and particularly that acronym, you know, I think there'll be many people who are going to be replaying this show just to catch all of those little ideas that you gave uh, that were so useful. So thank you so much. Maya, thanks so much for having me on. It was, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. You take care and have a great rest of the day. Okay, you too. That was Paul Ozenkamp. From leading with our funny bones to leading with our hearts. Can strong leaders be caring leaders? Uh, yes. <laughs> Join us next week to find out how as I share a conversation with caring warrior T.J. Jones about caring leadership. Until then, remember, as leadership coach Bobby Umar said right here on this show, we are all leaders for we all lead by example. So why not lead with a laugh? This is Maya. And I am out. Every day feels like Sunday morning. Still got my day job, but I feel so free, baby. So bright.